Welcome to More Than A Few Words, a marketing conversation for small business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, where we help small businesses become big businesses. As always, you can join the conversation by calling in with your questions at 805-285-9865. Or you can share your thoughts on Twitter. Be sure to use the hashtag MTFW. Now, let's get the conversation started. Good morning, everybody. This is um, Lorraine, and clearly I'm a little technology tech challenged this morning. Um, <laughs> joining me and, and sitting over in the corner laughing at me this morning is Allison. I am not in the corner. Good morning, everyone. But you are laughing at me. My job. And Peter, who is silently rolling his eyes. Hi. And he is also manning the Twitter stream, so if you'd like to harass us, ask questions, uh, send comments, be sure to use the hashtag MTFW. Um, this morning we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about how social media can be used um, in perhaps some non-traditional ways by not-for-profit associations. And our guest is Andrew from Alex. I am so sorry. Uh, Allison is making faces at me because I never get anybody's name right. But Alex Keys is our guest this morning. He is He graciously agreed to join us. Um, and talk about what's going on at School on Wheels. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Alex is also, you got the one word answer thing down pat. I do. You do. do. Um, He's also um, not only going to talk about not-for-profit associations and social media, he's also going to talk about his experiences um, in AmeriCorps, because I think this is a really cool intermediate step for a lot of young professionals. But let's start with School on Wheels and the mission. Great. So you may or may not know that there are a lot of children in Indianapolis who are suffering homelessness right now. There's 3,000 total, and really across the U.S., childhood homelessness is a problem that not that many people know about. So um, the, the bulk of what we try to do is try to tackle that through education. Well, and I think, you know, the, the thing people don't think about is um, it's bad enough when an adult is homeless and they're kind of uprooted from their life, but the instability, you know, among children um, can really have damaging long-term effects if they can't continue their education. Some people wake up and there's breakfast on their table and they have Starbucks, and some people wake up and that's their life. So they might have to deal with those issues. So what kind of programming does School on Wheels provide? Our uh, kind of fly program, our, our main program, it would be uh, tutoring, homeless, homeless children tutoring in 12 locations around Indy. So we, we work as a partner to shelters and schools. A lot of people say, where's your school, where's your giant bus that you teach kids in? We all have one. Um, what we do have is we have our main office in Broadway Bowl, and that's where we, we plan tutoring and we train people and we send out Volunteers, we have over 400 volunteers who go to these 12 locations. It's an hour of tutoring led by a staff member, and it's, uh, it's reading prompts, it's working on your homework, and it's also playing some educational games we develop to get kids up to ISEP standards. Very cool. Um, and uh, how do you recruit your volunteers? Um, recently through social media. Oh. <laughs> okay, so, so uh, talk about that process. How, uh, how have you used social media specifically to recruit volunteers, and then we'll back up and talk how you use it to uh, expand your programming? I, I, I think the, the, the biggest step for us was just getting everything online. About not, not even a year ago, 
everything is by paper. If you wanted to sign up online, we would email you three Word documents, and you have to type them out and save them and send them back. And we saw, I think there were a lot of people teaming with excitement who wanted to apply, and so we just made it as easy as possible. When we launched a new WordPress site in January, I just put it up as a form, uh, I think three or four page online form, and uh, just tweeted it out and put it for a while on our email tags. And we got a lot of people who I think have been watching for a while and were just waiting for us to ask. And when we asked, they said yes. Very cool. Um, the uh, web address. Let's let's go ahead and give people the web address so they can find you. That is? www.indieschoolonwheels.org. I-N-D-Y-schoolonwheels.org. And if somebody wants to volunteer, how, um, how much of a time commitment is that? It's one hour a week. And we do have substitute volunteers if you do need to miss a week, but uh, it's one hour a week and our tutors say that it really impacts your life and they get a lot out of it. Cool. So what else, so um, you put it, you've, you've got the, the online forms on the website. How are you guys using Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube to promote your mission? And there are a lot of great people out there who want to talk about these issues and um, kind of Want, to, want us to share our experience with the kids with them and want to respond. So I just think of it as just talking with people like I would anyway. I, it's, School on Wheels is my job. It's also a passion of mine uh, to help these kids and get their message out there. So I bring it up in a conversation at a coffee shop. So why not talk about it online? Very cool. Well, actually, I think one of the greatest strengths and how I actually became aware of School on Wheels about maybe a year and a half ago was through the incredibly dedicated donor base that you guys have. I actually became aware of it through Pete the Planner. Um, those of you who aren't aware, Pete the Planner is a local um, resource for many of us for uh, all things financial. He was tweeting about his Give Creatively idea, which is the idea of you don't just have to write a check at the end of the year so that you get the tax write-off. It can be something that's incorporated into our daily lives. And actually, Pete and um, Chuck Ghost, another local pillar of the community, um, both kind of uh, shamed me into donating to School on Wheels. I donated 50 cents a point that the Pacers made during a playoff game. That was the level that I was comfortable giving. That was what I could give, and that was what Pete was suggesting, and it was a great way, and I've been um, a supporter of School on Wheels ever since. And so that's really one of the most creative ways that I've ever seen social media used in development. And um, you guys also do um, the backpack collection. Isn't that your program? Um, we we work a little bit with Backpack Attack, and one thing we do is provide each kid with a backpack full of school supplies and two school uniforms, which are required in ITS. And I think that um, being able to um, make that available to all the kids takes either a certain amount of money or a lot of active donations. It's both. <laughs> yeah, it's both. Um, how many kids are... Um, uh, in your uh, participating in your program now, you've got 400 volunteers. It, it's over 100 kids per year normally. Um, I think we're reaching closer to 200 this year, but it really fluctuates. We have some kids who are in shelters where they're there for maybe two years. Uh, they're transitional shelters, but we have some that we see a kid for a night of tutoring, and we might never, hopefully, never see him again. Hopefully, he's somewhere better. Cool. Um, what else should people know about the organization? Um, I, I, I think it's really important to 
put out there that yes, tutoring is the biggest thing we do, but in the last two years we developed a lot of newer programming. Uh, we've started working with parents, have our program coordinators who are stationed at the sites work with parents to teach parents how to be advocates for the kids, because that's important. Um, even to go as far as to go to parent-teacher conferences with the parent is a kind of an escort to make them feel more comfortable, because a lot of these parents, the truth is, they didn't graduate high school. They might not have their GED, and they might be scared to help their kids navigate the school system. Our uh, CEO likes to say that she's an MSW, and it's hard for her to navigate the school system for her kids sometimes. Mm -hmm. So it's tricky for everyone, but in this situation particularly. So we also do some arts programming uh, in the summer, and we this is the second year of our mentorship program, Project Life. Awesome. And what is... Um uh, well, let's, let's do the arts programming first and then talk about Project Life. Great. What kind of arts programming do you guys do? Where do you get your resources for that? Last year it was actually done through a VISTA program, a summer VISTA program, and we brought in some volunteers to teach photography and creative writing and reading, and it was kind of a summer camp set up. This year um, we're, we're still hammering out the details, but we're really excited because we're bringing in artists to come work, and we're working with the Iowa Guild, and it's more, more of a creative expression, public art-based course. Very um, cool. And we're working with Monk, Bucky Echo Hawk, is the visiting artist this summer. So nice. Iowa Shore. So we're really excited about that. We're still hammering out the details, but you'll, you'll definitely see it on Facebook. I have to tell you, I love, um, there are a lot of places where you can see these kind of student collaborative projects, and um, uh, I just think that you, you, you really see some amazing um, amazing talent and, and, and a way for these kids to kind of express themselves um, differently. Well, this, this summer we, we had the kids take a field trip to the zoo that were doing this, the photography program. And so they went around and took photos of the animals and they did a couple other photography outings. And then they actually got to have their art displayed at the One America Tower downtown. Oh. And they would come up to me and tug on my arm and say, that's me. I, like, I'm published. I'm on the wall. And that's such a big thing for a child, any child, but especially if you're going through that hardship, to know I can still do these things and I can still be noticed and I can still be a service for something great I did. Well, I've got to tell you that even as an adult, when somebody likes one of my photographs, I still think <laughs> it's really cool. And you guys are doing a little more outreach to adults. I actually have a brand new program aimed at um, young professionals. Yes, is that, right? that, that is my newest baby as working with, uh, start off mostly with tutors who wanted to get more engaged in other ways. Um, I don't know why, but I'm glad some of our tutors and a lot of our donors and actually a lot of our tutors and a lot of other volunteers, they bleed orange and they just said, how can we do more? So, okay, we'll find a way for you to do more. So we created Spokes, which is kind of modeled after a young professional group, but not everyone's young and not everyone's professional, <laughs> um, especially not me. And it's, uh, it's just really well, you have the young thing going yeah, for I you. I am young, yeah, for now. <laughs> but uh, it's just a group of people who are trying to use kind of community engagement and outreach and social events and, and more business-type networking, young professional-type networking to spread, to spread these messages about um, education and how that can help out the homelessness issue. And so we kicked off with the education conversation with Matthew Tolley. Oh, nice. At uh, the Fall and Biscuit, and that was just a great event. It was a lot of fun, but it also 
got this message out there about what's going on in schools here. So uh, this group is kind of continuing that conversation. And he did, as, an, as a sort of an outcome from that, he wrote a pretty nice article in uh, the Star talking about it, didn't he? Or is, He's written about us on occasion. Yeah, yeah I think he's followed a couple of kids um, over time through the school. It was part of his um, our our city our school program. Yeah. That was pretty, I was actually there. It was a fantastic program, standing room only. Couldn't get near the place, um, and it was a great program. But I, I'm not sure that he wrote something as a result of it. But he's certainly been uh, an active advocate for for IPS and for uh, the health of our our school system over the years. And I really think that, um, you know, as you guys, I mean, that's how I became aware of School on Wheels. I mean, there, there, you know, there are a lot of wonderful programs in the city, but, you know, through articles, um, you know, some of, some of the stuff that Matt has written, and certainly through your social media presence, that's really how I got to know what you guys were doing, because um, you use it for publicity and things like that. Um, so what's next? Where do, you, where do you guys think the organization's going to go? Um, I, I just think it's... Personally, I think it's more branding and more outreach in the same way. I'm personally excited about ordering a bunch of T-shirts. Because <laughs> currently we have all XXXL, and I don't see the other notes. Okay, so you know, small steps. Um, <laughs> I'm going to switch gears though, because um, one of the things that I didn't know about you until I was reading your your bio is that you're um, actually here as an AmeriCorps volunteer. Mm -hmm. um, why don't you take a few minutes and just tell us a little bit about that program and right. your experiences with it. Well, uh, I ain't from around here at all. I was born in <laughs> Texas and went to school there um, in Houston for 18 years. And then I went to college in Kentucky. And while I was in college in Kentucky, I got really involved with sort of grassroots networking type activism, mostly in the environmental field. And uh, I was originally intending to be a philosophy professor, but at the end of my junior year, I just decided I didn't want to do that. So I, instead, I'd like to go this route and do kind of grassroots organizing and that sort of thing. And so I stumbled upon this program called AmeriCorps VISTA, standing for Volunteers in Service to America. And it's basically like a domestic peace corps. Um, so uh, the way it works is I applied online um, I technically applied through AmeriCorps and work for AmeriCorps, uh, volunteer for AmeriCorps, but I also simultaneously applied at Small Wheels. I was ex an interviewed and accepted at Small Wheels. And uh, the result is basically a very professional job that, based, that is focused on building capacity. So it's... it's I, 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 I have no idea what that means. Um, <laughs> building capacity as far as um, there are some, pro the majority of VISTAs are programming type VISTAs, where, um, for instance, Shalin, another VISTA I work with, she uh, de develops the tools and the tests and the sorts of things that we use at uh, tutoring. And, and a lot of building capacity, so when I leave, or when Shalin leaves, or when another VISTA leaves any organization, then they put modules in place that can that will allow them to serve um, a broader community without necessarily having another person step into that job, um, which is uh, really a, a, an interesting um, extension of the program. Um, biggest thing that you've learned, because you're, you're wrapping up your first year, I know that you're looking at doing this for a second year. Biggest thing you've learned as a VISTA volunteer? Um, 
I think just that you have to jump in. You have to be ambitious, and people want to help. People want to do a good cause, and you just need to be that that beacon, that pass for them to do that. And just it's like I said earlier, if you ask them, they'll normally say yes. Of course, I want to help out homeless kids. Mm-hmm. Don't say no. But you need to make it as easy as possible because people are busy, and not everyone in the world can be a nonprofit worker. So if it's something you want to do, just jump in and help out. You know, it's interesting when you talk about the fact that you know if you just ask people. There was some interesting research done on a college campus where they approached a bunch of students and asked them if they would commit to being a a mentor for a year-long program and and it'd be so many hours every week that they had to do. And they got one or two people that were interested. Um, uh, Reverse. They asked them if they would spend a day at the zoo with a bunch of kids. And they got one or two people that were interested. And a lot of them were like, oh, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. When they asked them if they would volunteer for a year-long program, and they said they're too busy, and they dropped back and said, okay, so you can't do the year-long program. Will you give us one day and come to the zoo? The number of people who said yes actually increased. So a lot of it, I think, is, is, is learning is, is the options, but also learning how to do the ask, learning how to um, create something that people get their heads around and say, yeah, I can manage that. And also build on people's strengths. There's some people who don't want to give any money but can give time. And there's some people who have no interest in giving any time but will tweet for you. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, there's all, you just have to be creative in your asking and help people be creative in their solution. Um, they, uh, they used to call that the three W's of board development, that on any not-for-profit association you needed people that brought wisdom, wealth, and workers. So some people are just going to bring their expertise. Your tweeters are just going to share what they know and who they know. Um, uh, there are some people that will just write you checks, and then there are some people that will roll up your sleeves. And I think you need all of them, but I think leveraging There's social media. There amazing people that do all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet they are. Okay. Um, we're kind of wrapping up time on this particular segment. So once again, if people want to find School on Wheels on Twitter, what's your handle? It's... In the SOW, please do not call us in the cell. We are not a pig, but it's I-N-D-Y-S-O-W, and uh, I, I will be more than happy to answer any questions if you tweet them my way or DM Awesome. And um, you're also on YouTube is in the SOW, and I was going to say in the cell, so I'm glad you corrected me before I said it. One named after us. Yeah, I can only screw up one thing at a time. Um, and then uh, Facebook. You guys have got a Facebook community as well. Mm-hmm. Go on, Will. Awesome. And um, if they want to follow your adventures through the next year, you're on Twitter as? In the underscore keys. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been great. Um, This morning, um, our resident Andy Rooney, Stephen Shattuck, is on vacation. Well, not quite. He's working hard over at Slingshot, but he has deserted and ditched us for the week. Not that that we're bitter. Yeah, there was no no bitterness there. But instead, instead we thought that this would be a a good time to give you a little bit of a teaser for some of the things we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. Um, some of the results of our social media survey. As you know, we uh, at Roundpeg do a study every 
year, um, asking small businesses about social media, what's working, what's not working, kind of gauging their level of interest and gauging um, kind of where they, they're focusing their attention. This year was no exception, and we had 465 responses to the survey. Um, Allison is going to share some of the highlights of, and we're going to talk about some of the, the comments and what those implications are, and if we have time, I'll do stats, and if not, we'll do stats next time. Yeah, for those of you who aren't familiar with this survey, this is our this is the third year. This is the third year. This is the third year of doing this survey, and it's grown every year, and it's really fascinating to see how the social media community has evolved with small business owners. Um, and one of the things that we love to do, and well, I mean, I don't like numbers, um, <laughs> is looking at what people are saying about social media. So in addition to all of the great quantitative data, which you'll of course be able to see in the full report when that comes out in a couple months, we also got some really great qualitative data. We asked two questions, the first of which was how people are changing their social media strategy in the year 2012. Now remember, the survey was active from what, February to April? Um, yeah, it, yeah, April 1st. We, we cut it off April 1st. Okay, so do keep in mind that some of the later breaking developments may not be incorporated in the survey, just to keep in, in mind the time frame. Probably the number one comment that we got, if I was to, to aggregate them and boil them all down to their essence, is the word focus. Um, I think in years past, the comments all tended to be more like, oh, well, this year we're going to set up a YouTube channel and a Facebook page and a Twitter account and a and a, like, I don't know, Quora account and all of these other little niche networks, and we're going to be on all of them, and we're going to do them all fantastically. And that's not what we saw this year. No, and, you know, we saw that both in the numbers and in the, the comments was people are definitely driving to a primary network where they're, where they're putting their emphasis. Um, when, you know, like when we asked the question, and I, and I know that the survey um, – was uh, a little bit biased towards LinkedIn, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But when we asked people um, primary for businesses, it wasn't as scattered as it had been in years past. It was definitively LinkedIn is number one, um, and Facebook and Twitter were, were kind of tied. Now, when you ask them what they're doing for social, no surprise there. Um, Facebook dominated. Just to be clear, for personal. For personal. For personal. It is going to be interesting, though, to see um, a year from now what the impact of Pinterest is and if that shifts some of the primary personal. Well, I think that you have to look at, you know, Pinterest, people have been hearing me blab my mouth about Pinterest for the past couple of months. I do think that it's um, sparking a visual revolution in social networking, but that's a topic for another day. But I still don't think that it's ever going to replace I don't think it, it will become a primary network for most people. If, if, I don't think that if most people said, hold me at gunpoint and make me choose a social network, most people probably, well, first of all, please don't hold people at gunpoint. <laughs> Regarding social networks, it's a little short-sighted. Jail is a long time and there's poor Internet access. But um, I think that at the end of the day, people still want that human interaction, which while Pinterest does have it, you can leave comments and you can like things, Really, it's all about the porn. It's about the visual images that drive us on that site. I think it's a fantastic auxiliary network, but I think for neither business nor personal will we ever see it become the dominant like Facebook. I think you're probably right there. Um, I do want to drop back, though, because um, some of the uh, qualitative comments talked about trying to use 
LinkedIn more. Um, we saw, and we saw a little bit of this last year. I set up the survey differently this year to get a better handle on it. We distribute the survey through LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, email, um, and on our website. And disproportionately, the LinkedIn community is more responsive um, when it comes to completing the survey. Um, this year, more than half our responses came through my LinkedIn conversations. Now, many of those people I am connected to on Facebook and on Twitter when I go back and look at who responded, but the fact is that they may have seen the comment on Twitter, they may have gotten the email. What motivated them to complete the survey was a personal request through LinkedIn. Um, I thought that was absolutely amazing, and as we talked about it, I think it, it really um, indicates just how powerful a business tool LinkedIn really is. I think that it is, and I think that also one of its strengths is that it is underutilized. I think that the numbers on LinkedIn are often misleading because we see that so many people have accounts. They've got it set up. They've uploaded their resume. They've got everything stretching back to that job flipping burgers in high school. So they say, oh, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, but how many of them are actually using the tool in a meaningful way? Not many. When I look at my, for instance, my, my home feed there on LinkedIn, it's pretty much a wasteland of Twitter updates. I don't know about you. It, it really is. Um, I'm one of the few people, I mean, I routinely update every single day with content, whether it's a link to our website, a, a question or a statement, but you get the... John connected to Bob. Bob connects to Mary. Mary and Dick are now friends with Allison. And um, there's not as much, um, but I think there's still something very compelling there as a way of communicating directly with people. What was interesting in the survey is when you ask people, how often do you participate in um, different social networks for business? Just under 30% of our respondents said they participate in LinkedIn every day for business. And another 39% said they're doing it often. So I don't know what they're doing when they get there, but they're clearly jumping on, looking around, and looking for opportunities. In contrast, um, Twitter in the top two boxes is about 50% compared to LinkedIn really almost 70%. Um, Facebook is about, surprisingly, Facebook for Business is slightly higher than, um, than Twitter. I don't think it's 65. surprising. But what's for business? It depends on the business. And also, we've said it time and time again, Facebook is considerably less labor intensive than Twitter is on a time basis. So while, yes, not every business is suited for Facebook, Many people want to be on there whether they're suited for it or not. And we continue to see this despite the fact that people say, yeah, I want to focus and I just want to focus on one. Sometimes they're still focusing on the wrong thing. Absolutely. Um, one of the other things that was intriguing this year versus years past, and I think it kind of dovetails with the um, focus, is the time on site actually, uh, the time spent in social media has actually dropped. 40% mm -hmm. um, of our respondents said they're spending less than 30%, uh, 30 minutes a day, and 33% said they're spending between 30 and 60. So you're looking at 
73% of the people participating in our survey said they're spending an hour or less every day. In years past, they were spending more. So I think it's both an indication of the focus as well as some of the productivity tools. Absolutely. Um, other things that surprised you, Allison, as you were looking at some of the feedback? I wouldn't say that there are a whole lot of surprises. I would say that it, it's all trends that we've been seeing. Certainly there's some positive moves. More about the importance of, of a regular concerted plan. That was the other concept that was just huge, was the idea of we're going to create a plan and we're going to stick to it. Awesome. And I think, you know, I'm going to kind of bring this full circle. A lot of the things that business owners were saying as far as guiding advice also makes sense for not-for-profit associations that are approaching social media. The same kind of guidelines on how much time, what you should be spending, and where you should be focused makes sense. We just tie it all up with a neat little bow, boss. Awesome. We, we, we do that. Okay, folks, uh, this has been another episode. Um, we have really enjoyed Alex, thank you so much again for dropping in. Thank you. Um, Peter, way to type back there. Um, if you've enjoyed today's program, you can join Allison and I next week. We will be chatting once again um, on topics about marketing, networking, social media, and more. You can always find more on our blog at www.roundpeg.biz. This has been another episode. Thanks for listening.